0: Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, 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 welcome. I think I got seven in there. This is, what a great way to start December. It's December 1, 2021. We thought we couldn't get through 2020. We're pretty sure we got through 2021 and we can't wait for a better year in 2022. This is part one of my annual Crystal Ball Prediction Special. I'm so happy to have some special, very special people here. They were all part of one of my business shows this year, The Future of Digital Engagement with Game Changers, presented by SAP, and we have the sponsor of that series with us today, Kirsten Boyleau. You can wave hello, Kirsten, and some of her esteemed guests. We've got Emily L. Phelps. We've got Sylvie Lexa. We've got Mike Grehan, Janet E. Johnson. We've got Steve Watt, and we've got Louis Simon. and I'm going to introduce them all in a minute, but let me do my normal opening here. Wait till you hear this. I found the five top quotes from the movie Back to the Future from 1985. And my question, I'm going to read the quotes in a second. My question to all of you is Would you have predicted in 1990 that we would still be quoting the characters in Back to the Future 30 years later today? I can see Steve likes that. Here are the quotes. Listen up, everybody. Nobody calls me chicken. Okay, number two, roads. We all know this one. Roads, where we're going, we won't need roads. That was Doc Emmett Brown. 1.21 gigawatts. Okay, that was a famous one. I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet, but your kids are going to love it. I like that one. And here's one more. This is heavy. So here we are. We're going to have some predictions on what's happening in the tech world in terms of digital engagement. Some of you still call it social selling. Oh my, Kristen, we got rid of that title a while ago, didn't we? We (laughs) moved it to digital. Yes, we've changed the name of her series. If you're looking for a crystal ball to tell you what's going to happen next year, well, we don't have it, but I've got the next best thing. I've got these seven. And today, my guest... I'm calling you visionaries. You are officially Technology Revolution Visionaries. Steve likes that title. Mike, do yeah, like I that don't name? know.
0: I don't know, Bonnie. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. You got, you got to step up. So we're going to be hearing from all of the people I mentioned. I'm going to give you the introductions in a second. But to our listeners, our viewers, hello. Everybody wave hello to LinkedIn. Wave hello to Facebook. We're live streaming. Isn't this <laughs> wonderful? We weren't doing that a year ago. And pour yourself a cup of joe or a cup of Earl, and if you dare, have a sip of Bailey's, mine's in the fridge, or Dom if you have any that you're trying to do a taste test before New Year's Eve welcome to technology revolution the future of now 2022 crystal ball predictions part one so let me give you some introductions here just very briefly i want you to all just wave when i call your name kirsten boylow is the new head of marketing solutions ms learning at sap she has been with sap for i don't know how many years i've lost track she is an 15 expertise. now 15, there you go. She has an expertise in professional branding, LinkedIn, LinkedIn sales manager, and she's a founding member of the Sales Enablement Society. Kristen, thank you for joining me. Let's so to happy Steve. to be here, Bonnie. Thank you, dear. You did the show with me last year. We had a lot of fun. Steve Watt is here. Steve is a marketing director at Seismic. Let's see that t-shirt, Steve. Focused on social selling and better ways to engage customers and prospects in our digital first world. Prior roles include independent consulting, small business ownership through startups, scale-ups, all the way to global leaders. So happy to see you, Steve Watt. We're delighted. Emily L. Phelps is with us. She's a campaign managing director at Disrupt Ops, a Firemon company focused on cloud security operations. Her Twitter account, Emily, I had to do this. I'm sorry. Her Twitter account describes her as singer, hiker, biker, mud runner, blogger, attention hogger, on timer, and rhymer. And her company is Southpaw Tales. (laughs) Emily, that's one of the best. There was some other stuff in there I couldn't say on on the show. You know that. Let's go to now Mike Grehan. Mike is back. Mike is CMO, Managing Director of Acronym. He's an SEO pioneer author, World Traveler keynote speaker, champagne connoisseur. I think that might be some Dom in that cup you showed
2: us, That surely is.
3: (laughs) And
1: he's a consummate drinking partner to the global digital marketing community. He's chairman of SEMPO, the largest global trade association for search marketers. Thank you. Janity Johnson is with us. She's a worldwide speaker, trainer, owner of an agency that has generated millions, I said millions, I bet we're up to billions by now, Janet, of dollars for her clients using online marketing. She started in 1998 selling on eBay while she was running a daycare in her basement, that's a brave thing. She moved to blogging, SEO, social marketing, social media marketing, lead generation. She uses Facebook and Instagram advertising. Janet, welcome back. Louis Simon is with us. Comment ça va, Monsieur Simon? He has a passion bien. for. Très bien aussi. He has a passion for sales transformation towards love, trust, and talents. In 2015, Louis founded the Social Selling Forum, a series of more than 60 IRL and online events where enthusiasts share their experience of social selling for better sales and marketing recruitment practices. And the is usually with us with about five football size screens behind him, running his own forum while he's on my show, pivoting his chair back and forth from studio to studio. And today he said he was just scaling it back to one sign and one screen. Louie, I'm so happy to see you. And Sylvie Lexo is with us. Sylvie is a performer. Sylvie, raise your hands. Do some performing for us. Nope. She's a performer <laughs> turned marketer. She joined Kristen's team this year. Sylvie is full of energy and life. She is currently working as a digital enablement strategist at SAP. She became a certified digital marketing professional, CDMP, through the Digital Marketing Institute, and she's involved in the SAP Digital Tribe community. Sylvie, so thank you so much. And thanks for working with Kirsten this year to set up her shows. So let's get the party started. We're going to have a couple minutes of predictions from each of you. We're going to focus on... Digital engagement, social selling, Kirsten, I know somebody's going to talk about that. (laughs) SEO, we're going to talk about branding, we're going to talk about AI, what are those algorithms doing, we're going to talk about automation, what does the future see. Kirsten, you're up first, I'm putting you on speaker view, let's go, predict.
3: Oh, thanks Bonnie, and so great to have this awesome group of people here with us today. Um, They've all been... uh, great contributors to the show over the years, so I'm so happy to see them back here today. Uh, My predictions kind of run a a wide spectrum of topics today. One of the ones is one of the topics that I'm focused on now around learning, Um, and I think, you know, learning is one of those things that from a digital selling or social selling, uh, I'll call it social selling for you, (laughs) Loïc. Uh, I'm actually finding myself referring to it as social selling um, as I talk about it uh, most recently just because that's what people recognize and know and I don't have an agenda anymore to change that. Um, But one could be that it goes back to being called social selling. I don't know. That would be a prediction. (laughs) That it just goes back to being called social selling because that's what it is. Um, and uh, but around when it comes to learning, people having opportunities like Luik's, uh engagements to um, really understand the um, the concepts behind becoming a professional social seller and how to behave in that world um, and how not to behave. Uh, that is a one of the biggest predictions I'm making is that, you know, people really will embrace that learning because they're not being successful right now. Um, I get so many messages from people that are, they just don't have the, they, it's all focused on them. It's very um, uncustomized to me. Uh, they have no idea what it is that I do. They're still trying to sell me social selling services. And I, I haven't been doing that for over a year. So things like that, that I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping and, and, And predicting that people will start to they'll be like you know what this just isn't working i really need to switch over and figure out how to do this properly so that would be um, one of the big predictions and then from a customer engagement standpoint and when it comes to digital marketing i think you know this is something that's been said over and over but i really think that the use of video is going to keep to keep expanding um People want to be engaged in very short snippets of... Um of content, but also I think they want to uh, be able to actually have input into that. So I'm hoping that at some point in the future, there will be some sort of technology um, development that allows us to engage with the videos that we're watching in a like a choose your own adventure sort of way. Um, And you choose, uh, you know, to go to one path or another, and then it takes the, you know, the video takes you down um, through the different adventures that you might experience depending on your choices. So. those are kind of my two biggest predictions and then the other one was around customer satisfaction and really being able to um, get a real uh, sense with the technology that we have today um, you know with the being able through social media being able to track likes and comments and and interactions with our content um, really getting a sense of what our customer satisfaction levels are and being able to then pull that data in and um, use that data to, to really uh, develop content, to develop interactions and engagements for customers that will really bring them those experiences that they're looking for.
1: Thank you Kristen very very interesting. I was intrigued by your second prediction about choose your own adventure. I think there is something afoot in the tech world where people are starting to do that. I don't know whether it's it's involved in the business side, but the idea that you could well what if you could have a video interaction with somebody instead of saying, "Well, I'm here to sell you XYZ solution." Well, we shouldn't say that anymore anyway. <laughs> but you could say, "Well, what what are you in the market for today?" Okay, "Well, I'm looking for XYZ." Well, then let's let's go on a video adventure, and, and, and it could just be customized at that point. Or I think if, it would be so cool. It would be very cool. And we're all looking for the next cool thing, aren't we, Kristen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to tell everybody, people talk about Zoom fatigue. I have to say, never. I did radio <laughs> for 20 years on the phone until... March of April of, I know the week, 2020, when I switched to Zoom. And it has been a joy and a privilege to be able to see brilliant people like you, watch you think, watch you talk, watch you use your hands or not, and and (laughs) to to just engage at a whole different level. It's just opened up a whole world for me as a broadcaster to interact on a face-to-face basis. I may never meet any of you in person, but I love being able to see you and watch you. So that's, that's my joy. Thank you very much, Kristen. Steve Watt from Seismic you are up next putting you on speaker view Steve behave yourself no Steve give us right. give, give us your <laughs> no don't I'm out, I'm out.
0: yeah, yeah <laughs> okay. I'm with you there Bonnie no zoom fatigue here either um I often think can you imagine how awful this all would have been 10 years ago before ubiquitous high speed internet before ubiquitous um video conference I mean can you imagine two years of conference calls uh, it it just—it would have been awful. Um, the 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 relationships we've been able to build and the sanity we've been able to maintain because of this is tremendous. So yeah, no Zoom fatigue here. I'm like camera on all the time. Um, am I the only one who's LinkedIn today was like flooded with new job announcements? Like
1: every day, every, every day. yeah.
0: But it's like December first, right? So many people starting new jobs, just wait till January 1st. It is going to be wild. I mean, we all know that we're in the midst of this great resignation, great reshuffle, choose your, choose your name. It's just getting started. And I tell you, those companies that say things like, uh, you know, can't wait to get back to normal, (laughs) they are in for a world of hurt. And uh, some other companies are going to just be crushing it. They're like, just wait. In a few more months, once this reshuffle is really, really rocking, there's such a redistribution of talent. And some companies are going to win and some companies are going to lose. And it's going to be massive. And I say that by way of kind of leading to what I think uh, my – my main prediction is, is that, um, you know, we've been talking for a long time about bring your whole self to work. I think that's part of what's going on with this reshuffle, uh, empowerment and enablement. Um, But now it's time for bring your whole self to LinkedIn. And, and there's there's three motions going on in LinkedIn right now, and none of them are particularly effective, right? There's companies obsessed with their company page, and we have millions of followers, and yeah, and you got no engagement. I mean, even the world's largest companies that have literally millions of followers, take a look at their posts. You get like 25 people who who hit like, and half of them are their own employees. They're not they're not doing anything. They're talking to themselves. They're not they're not influencing their customers or their future customers or their partners or anybody else. So the obsession with LinkedIn company pages is not enough. Um, The other thing, and and Kristen talked about this, the hunting, oh my God, the people who think LinkedIn is this giant Rolodex or this giant watering hole, and they're the lion and they're here to hunt. Well, you know what? I don't want to be your next meal. And I don't think anybody does. And we're sick of being hunted and and we're done with it. Uh, and, And then the third thing is, is, you know, so-called employee advocacy programs that are just, they're just advertising. They're just like, hey, everyone, you know, how about you all advertise for us and and put our job postings out there, put our webinar on Wednesday out there, put our latest ebook out there and surprise, not only are your employees not particularly excited to participate, neither are their audience, like nobody engages with them. So, you know, the company page obsession, the hunting obsession, and the, hey, let's turn all our people into micro advertisers obsession. None of these are particularly effective. And then people say, "Oh, LinkedIn isn't worth the effort. Well, no, it's like, you're doing it wrong. You know, the, the opportunity is, you know, back to the, this whole debate you're having about naming, like I, I am trying to make a name stick here, buyer centric social selling, buyer-centric, you know, customer-centric social selling because it's entirely different. And it starts with understanding why people are on LinkedIn. They're not there for your ads. They're not there to be hunted. They're, they're there to learn and to, to further their own interests. And if you actually internalize that and, and freely share and freely give, you can build a tremendous audience. You can build tremendous trust and relationships and engagement. You can pull the market towards you. You can shape the market in incredible ways, and, and it can be transformative as, as an individual and as a firm. And, and I think slowly more people and more companies are starting to realize that their old linkedin playbooks just just don't cut it and i hope and i think we're, we're in the very early stages of a much more buyer-centric approach to linkedin
1: thank you very much Steve. very interesting and i'm seeing an influx of people telling me on linkedin i listen to your you know, I have, what, yeah. 50 radios here series, 10 this year. I, I'm a big fan of Technology Revolution, The Future of Now, and I have a great guest for you, and his name is Bob Jones, and he founded three companies, and here is 15 talking points. And I write back and I say, thank you for connecting with me, but the show is not an interview. It's not a description of a company. It's not a feature, look at how great Bob Jones is. It's a panel discussion about the future. Right, Louis? They've, they've never heard the show. I get this no. 10 times a week. They. Never never listen. I'm a big fan. I got one from LinkedIn. Steve, you'll love this the other day. And the woman wanted to connect. And I read the note that came with it. And she said, oh, I'm a big fan. And by the way, I'm selling this new platform where you can boost your engagements on your radio show through what I've got. And, and you know, if you sign up for this and you sign up for that. So I sent it over to Ryan Treasure, the vice president of, of World Talk Radio Voice America. And he said, yeah, I get these every day of the week. They're under the under the guise of wanting to connect with you, there's a sales message. And when I went to report it on LinkedIn, I couldn't say it was spam. I couldn't say it was obscene. No. I, there was nothing to say, this is a blatant sales message. So I just deleted the invitation. Anyway, Steve, your points are really, really appreciated. Thank you, love the energy. Steve, you are a seismic. Oh, I had to say that. I just had to say that. <laughs> Emily L. Phelps, you're up next. <laughs> Emily, I met you recently on one of Kirsten's shows. We're so happy you accepted this invitation. You're on speaker view, talk to us. What do you predict?
4: Bonnie, And number one, I just want to thank you for calling someone who self-identifies as a writer, as a technology mm-hmm. visionary, because, you know, I, I my main tool is my little red pen, and I just think that's delightful. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome.
4: <laughs> so, but thinking about marketing broadly and technology, one of the things we've seen and uh, is a lot of these hybrid events. I'm with you. I'm not experiencing Zoom fatigue. I, because all the energy I'm saving from commuting has just energized me enough to be happy to have, you know, this kind of engagement. I work uh, in different states with my teams. So I can't really imagine doing this any other way. And that goes for events that people are planning as well. So I think we're going to see an increase in these hybrid events uh, where there will be some in-person, but that where there's a digital option, there's a lot of benefits for it. Whether there's a pandemic or not, it allows more people to participate. Um, and, and that includes um, people who might have mobility issues. Where I think it's gonna go is there's gonna be more need to um, adhere to other kind of Uh, Issue disabilities and issues. There are vision and hearing and mobility issues that I think can be really, uh, can be addressed very well by these hybrid events when you're thinking about um, closed captioning, for example, or sufficient color contrast, large enough fonts. Um, Thinking all the way from, you know, promotion at the beginning to if registration can be conducted using screen readers alt text for, to describe imagery, all of these things can really make an event come to life for people who may not have been able to attend or participate in the past. So as we continue in this mm. hybrid world, those, those things are going to become so much more important and really open up your world for a whole group of people who have felt who've maybe been isolated and and want to participate. And I think that that's a really exciting opportunity. Um, along those lines, a couple of things I was thinking is, you know, one of the things we've talked about is buyer centricity. I, 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 lot of times talk about it, you're talking to humans. They're not, they're not their job entirely. You have to think about the whole person. And as what we're seeing is a lot of pressure for brands to get involved with social good, whether you do or not, I don't think is the the trend. I think the trend is that you have a very savvy audience who has a lot of technology at their fingertips to identify if what you're doing is just superficial brand logo change for a month or if you really back up what you're saying with actions. And we certainly saw that throughout 2021 with some brands really knocking it out of the park and others getting called out justifiably with skepticism from your online audience. Your online audience, your audience in general has a voice. They're going to use it. And if that's a, if that's something that's important to your brand, into your identity, then, then be sure that you're doing it right, and and not um, just trying to capitalize on something that you see as uh, trending. Your audience is smart, and you should give them the credit they deserve for being smart.
1: Thank you. I like that, and I, I'm gonna pick on something you said, Emily, about you are not the company, you are you. Um, I will, Kirsten. I'm gonna ask your opinion about this. In most of my shows, most of my shows, I use a, a jot form. You've all filled it out for when you appeared on other shows on Kirsten's. And I ask for a bio and I'm seeing a lot of bios where somebody for their professional bio will make it into a brochure for the company. Bob Jones is the CEO of, uh, you know, Widgets R Us. Widgets R Us is in production. It's got five thousand employees. It's produced two, two million widgets. It's sold in thirteen countries. It comes in every flavor and every. Color. It's like, well, who is Bob? So I have to go back and ask people. Could you tell me what you did before this? What led you to this role? What's your passion for being in the role? Do you write? Do you publish? Do you speak? Do you lead engagements? Right, Emily, it's the, the company. We have to talk about that on a branding side, especially in social engagement. Kirsten, can you turn on your mic for a second and talk to that point that Emily brought up about, about how do you how do you brand yourself in this day and age when you want to say you work for a company or you started a company, you founded a company, you're a leader of a company, but you're still a person. What's that mix, Kirsten? Do you see anything changing in 2022?
3: Oh, I would hope so. I really hope that the trend that you're seeing is is not the way that things go. I mean, we people want to connect with humans. They don't want to connect with companies. Uh, that's been something we've been saying for a very long time. Um, and I think it was Jonathan Becker that originally said it here at SAP. You know, people want to connect. People want to buy from people. They don't want to yes. buy from glass buildings. Absolutely. And, um, and so it's the same, you know, your bio should talk about you and what you're passionate about and what brought you to this place that you're at now and what kind of background you have and what kinds of projects you've done, not uh, the company that you work for. Um, It definitely, I really hope it doesn't go that, that direction. I hope people kind of take that in, into their into account and and talk about themselves. This is your opportunity. Yeah. A lot of times people don't want to talk about themselves or... Uh, don't want to hear about you. But in this case, people do. They want to know who you are.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Emily, thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate that. Really great point. Let's move on. Mike Grehan in Santa's Workshop. Look at you. Acronym. We're not seeing a company logo, but we're going to say the name because you can talk about your company for just a second. Mike, I'm putting you on speaker view. Predictions, All right. please.
2: Thank you. Yes, and welcome to uh, wherever this is, wherever I am. <laughs> Uh, Yeah. Acronym is uh, a leading independent um, uh, digital marketing agency, performance marketing. I hate that term, but that's kind of what we do. And I've been involved in uh, search for 172 years or something like it. Uh, So I've been around for a while in terms of, uh, you know, doing predictions. I think I said this last time, uh, Bonnie, I don't actually think about predictions. Um, I, I think about forecasting, just taking a look at where we've been and kind of like an algorithm, you know, thinking, where's this going to take us? So what I'm thinking about most of all has been generated by what we've seen during the pandemic. And, you know, we've kind of touched on everybody being at home and making more use of Zoom and that kind of thing. Um, and it's been a great boom to everybody that we've been able to connect this way. So in order to give a prediction or the forecast, I want to step back, something that I've been talking about for more than 20 years now, and you might go, well, we all know that, Mike. Uh, And then some of you might go, wow, I didn't know that, but it's very important uh, because we've been doing it already today using the terms, the internet and World Wide Web, and we use them interchangeably. And the fact of the matter is they're two different things. And you really need to understand the difference between the two to see where we're gonna be in the future. So the internet has been around since the sixties. It was invented way back in the day. So people were doing email before you were even born. World Wide Web came with a British scientist, i to mention British, um, uh, late eighties and early nineties. And it's kind of a thing that sits on top of the internet. The two things work together. If there was an on off switch for the World Wide Web, I could switch it off. The internet would still work perfectly. Well, what's that got to do with the future? Well, the internet itself is developed into what we now call the cloud. And basically, it's just another version of the internet. You can't see it, but it's a much more advanced version. Where is that going to take us next? It means that when we have this thing called 5G, and everybody thinks 5G just means we get faster speed on our phones or faster speed in our internet connections. It's actually going to transform the way that we receive and create content. And content is going to become so important. Now, we just touched on video a second ago. Um, I'm not quite sure who it was who mentioned it first, but again, sorry, Kirsten. So yeah, so Kirsten, I agree in one sense and completely disagree in another because having been a publisher for a long time as I was, um, you know, people in my news department used to say when we started using video, uh, people on the internet don't want to watch video, just do 30 second clip. That's all you need to do. They only want bite size. They don't want to watch long pieces of video. And then I say to them, so what are you going to be doing tonight? Oh, I don't know. I'll probably just go home and watch a movie on Netflix. Oh, you'll be watching 90 minutes of video on the internet. Then will you, <laughs> it's a completely different thing. Anyway, where am I going with all of this? Um, the way that we actually communicate with each other has changed dramatically, even the stuff that Zoom's been doing. So we begin to expect a much richer content experience. And so for marketers, when we talk about content marketing, you know, first it was just write great text, write great copy, have great images, next it's have great video. Now we're gonna be talking about augmented and virtual reality. And it's much closer than you think. There's a lot of it already going on online. And Google's getting ready for this because a lot of this stuff happens outside of the browser. That's a much longer conversation, but it says, give me access to your camera and your microphone. If you go to Google right now on your phone, if it's a more modern phone, and do a search for great white shark, take a look inside the results. Now, Google is actually doing a few of these little Easter eggs. You'll actually find that you can put that shark live in the room with you. If you're afraid of sharks, do a search for golden retriever. You can put a nice little dog in there, but it will give you an indication of just where content and how rich it's going to be. So this thing called 5G, along with the Internet of Things, is actually going to transform not just the way that we create content, but what your audience or your customers indeed are going to expect. So start thinking entirely different about the content experience. Not creating content for the sake of creating content, which is like, uh, you know, as was mentioned before, create some great content for your LinkedIn page. Create some stuff that people want to interact with. Just don't churn it out kind of thing, you know. So I do think that um, uh, you mentioned about algorithms. The final part of this is in terms of the customer satisfaction, the one thing that all of the researchers are looking at, as you know, I'm a member of ACM, which is the world's largest computing society. And there is this term that we'd call task completion. So imagine this with task completion, it means I do a search at Google or I ask my digital assistant, which I've given my own name, it doesn't have to be Siri, or I ask my digital assistant, I need to be in San Francisco next Thursday at this time, I need to be back by next Friday or whatever it is, yeah? When you do a search at Google and find that flight, you can actually make the purchase, but you have to do that. What task completion means is that these algorithms will converge, and then you will say, I need to be in San Francisco next Thursday, and all of a sudden, the flight is booked, the Uber is booked to pick you up, the hotel is booked, the the Uber from the hotel back to the airport, and the whole thing, that entire task completion. And I think for companies who understand about the way that this Internet of Things comes together mm-hmm. uh, in order to be able to provide that for, uh, for their customers, uh, those are going to be the early winners. So content is going to become much richer. Think about content creation. Think about the experience.
1: Thank you very much, very very I'm gonna much.
2: I'm
0: going to be spinning this shark around all day now, Mike. I'm not, I'm <laughs> not going to get anything done, and now that yeah. I'm going to be. You I knew know. somebody
1: would. I have a funny story to tell you. One of my SAP business shows yesterday, um, I had guests from a company that's not SAP, and when I went to their website to to check on the the company and the history a little more, so I would know more when I introduced them. I noticed they had a picture of a puppy, a dog, a little cute little black dog, and the dog's name is Timmy and underneath it says, feel good manager. So I put it in my notes and when I introduced them <laughs> with the guest, I said a shout out to Timmy. So you're talking about sharks and, and, uh, and golden retrievers sometimes just a bit of humor, am, am I right? Does anybody agree with me? A little bit of humor. You know how refreshing it was? To, yes, Louis has been raising mm-hmm. his hands all over the place. He's very excited. I can't wait to talk to you in a minute, Louis. A little bit of humor on a website, on a corporate website. Why not? Why not? Do you know what it did to me when I went and saw it? I copied his picture into my guest list. I put Timmy, the feel-good manager. I made a point of shouting out to him. That's never happened in all my years of doing radio. And it just, Brought me into a a little more human aspect. Also, I have one more comment uh, to you, Mike. Uh, You you said a lot of things were happening before we were all born, where that doesn't apply to some of us. But what I wanted to tell you was certainly not me, darling. In 1994, I became an early customer of AOL. (laughs) <laughs> and I remember the handshake, do 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 bing, and you were in. So I used to invite my neighbors, I was living in Great Neck, Long Island, a big co-op building, and I invite some of my neighbors who were all business people into my apartment, and I said, wait for it, and they'd stand around me, gather around, it was like putting on a little show, and I'd connect to AOL, and they'd go, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, do do you have got mail, and everybody got so excited. They had never seen or heard anything like this. These were, By this time, these people were probably in their 60s. They were captains of industry, if you will. And this was brand new to them. So it was an exciting time. Thank you, Mike. Yes, hey, what Bonnie, can I do? Bonnie, yes. real quick. Just yes. real quick, yes.
0: don't slap a friendly little dog on your website if you treat your customers bad, you treat your employees bad, and you think that a little flash of humor or a little flash of cute is going to make up for the fundamental flaws in your business. I, I don't know the company you're referring to, I'll but tell I, you later. I hope and I trust that this is just the icing on the cake of a great yes. customer experience and a great employee experience. Then I love it. But
2: if it's instead of those <laughs> things, then it's terrible. It's terrible a morality turkey on your website and explain what that's about (laughs) a
1: morality lesson from seismic thank you very much janet e johnson the lady with the middle initial i carry mine everywhere i go janet you're on speaker view talk to us what are your predictions please
5: yeah well kristen and mike all talked about the same touched on what i what i want to bring up this is something we do um i've done predictions for years and years to uh I thought about it when I was coming up with this, you know, looking and going, what should I be talking about? I went, you know what? This was talked about in 15, 16, 17, 18. Every single year, this is one that brought up. And it is video, video. I mean, video has, Mm -hmm. needs to be part of business marketing, but obviously it's changed over time. Like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, Bonnie, you know, Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, we're on LinkedIn Live right now. That's, I don't know, they launched a little later than everybody else, but, but the bottom line is the video changes over time, but the concept of using video and being on camera is still going to be a huge part of 2022 and ongoing. So the difference though right now is that short, short, we want to embrace short to the point. Uh, We want to be authentic. Authentic builds trust. Authentic breaks that barrier. So authenticity is very important. We've already talked about, you know, people want to learn who you are. They don't want to know about your company. So putting the logo, people don't care about logos. They want to know who you are. So that's what getting on video can really do. Right now, I see Reels growing tremendously. Reels right now um, actually are, are kind of annoying me on Facebook. To be honest with you, I don't know if you guys are seeing this too, but you have reels no matter what when you're scrolling in your feed. Um, and Janet, can you are- d-
1: can you define reels for me? I'm not I'm not familiar with the absolutely, term. Absolutely, absolutely. So reels are TikTok,
5: but copied by Facebook and Instagram. So okay. same exact thing. But if somebody's doing it right, Facebook and Instagram will will mirror that same thing or or copy i guess we'll say so they are now making it really big on instagram but now they've launched it on facebook as well so they are exactly like tiktok but it's just inside the instagram and facebook platform so reels really right now is the algorithm algorithm is feeding reels the most so if you want to get the most reach the most engagement on Instagram and Facebook, right now you want to be embracing Reels. And I know that's going to be growing in the future as well. And, you know, years ago it was live. Like we were going, everybody's got to do live. Everybody's got to be live. Well, now it's moving to to the Reels. And you can even do ads with the Reels that you're doing. They've integrated that too. So that's another layer that I wanted to talk about as well, is just that paid advertising, you want to also embrace video so make sure the key thing is short short to the point authentic that is what is going to really grab people's attention that's been working in 2021 and that is going to be what's working in 2022. Um, My second prediction just is of course I have to bring this up because this is the space I live in but paid spend is going to become even more important and it could be on Facebook and Instagram it could be over on Google but you but paid spend is is needed uh organic reach is down as we know it's been down for years and that's going to continue to plateau so you need paid spend in your marketing as well
1: Thank you very much. Very interesting. Uh, I'm thinking of I was a late adopter to Twitter because, and Kirsten remembers that I used to tweet 15. Louis, you may remember this, 15 to 20 times during every live SAP radio show. I would take snippets of from the guest notes, right, Kirsten, the the, the opening quotes, the discussion, and paste them. I had a whole template ready, and I just paste them and go. And I would just look back. I had a whole almost a storyline on Twitter. Once I realized that Twitter had become a, a mecca, if you will, maybe that's too strong a word, for business people to talk about business and about what was going, not just kids saying, oh, I woke up and I yawned, everybody get excited, or wow, there was a bird outside my window. I mean, maybe it was a shark, Steve, I don't know. Anyway, anyway and I was late to, a, to TikTok, and about six months ago, Janet, I opened up TikTok, I was mesmerized i learned an entire new way of cooking an entire new way of eating i copied exercise little videos what people do in 15 to 30 seconds the quality of the production the level the volume the speaking the clarity the images i i am still amazed at the quality Of what people are doing in these short little snippets and you know what it's a a, maybe a 30 minute recipe and they've taken speed of the video just clips but the voice is one line right emily the voice is one consistent line of narration that matches what the little snippets of the recipe are showing so it's like a produced movie 30 seconds i I'm just amazed at how people have embraced the quality of the technology to make it palatable. But I, I am cooking with a lot of cheese right now and I love my air fryer and it's all because of TikTok. I will leave it, go with that. Thank you very much, Janet. Great comments. Louis Simon, the man who's been waving his hands for 45 minutes. Louis, come, why don't you do your prediction in French if you dare? No, go ahead, Louis. No, talk. not
6: in French, but from Paris and from a French perspective. And I Welcome. won't talk about videos. I won't talk about... Uh, Live videos, hybrid events, remote selling, because I believe 100% on those. I won't talk either on NFTs, cryptos, and metaverse, because it's coming, but it's not my turf, you know. Um, I will give you three predictions. The first is about social selling. Yeah, because I love social selling. I thank thank you, Kirsten, <laughs> to acknowledge the fact that modern selling and digital selling went nowhere from an expression perspective. And I that's why I have already run 84, 83 social selling forums in six years, and it's going on and going on and going on. Uh, Thirty of them being online and f- more than fifty offline. Yeah, okay. So and hybrid hybrid is coming. So. First is social selling. Second is marketing, supporting social selling. And third is what I would call D de- or un-growth hacking, frugality. But let me t- first tackle the first prediction, which is social selling. I think social selling is here to stay and to expand in both ends of the spectrum of selling, meaning account-based selling, account-based marketing in very large, uh, very complex deals, Social selling is here to help more and more sellers to really engage with customers in the right way. And on the other end of the spectrum, when I see what happens on TikTok, and especially people uh, leveraging both TikTok and, uh, and LinkedIn together, yeah, when we have creators on TikTok that are driving customers and prospects to LinkedIn. And by the way, even on three minutes video, not only 15 seconds video, but the maximum (coughs) being 15 uh, three minutes right now, I really believe that social commerce and social selling on TikTok and on LinkedIn is coming and is growing very fast. So social commerce, social selling, yeah? The art to leverage social networks to sell and to sell ourselves because we sell first ourselves, of course, not the company, as you said. The second prediction is about marketing, finally understanding that they can't see salespeople and other other employees as ambassadors. They must, be, uh, they must be supporting the leaders, supporting the sellers, and make sure that the leaders and the sellers in the company develop their personal brand in the right fashion so, they are, so that they are known well in advance before the, the salesperson engages, engages with customers. So for me, marketing at uh, the service Marketing supporting leaders and and salespeople much more than they do today on social networks. That's my second prediction. The third one and the last one is more about the social and climate and environmental challenges that we face today. I think nobody is is unaware that COP 26 existed a few a few weeks ago. That IPCC has released another kind of uh, big documents about what happens in the what will very quickly happen in our in our society in our world and so on. So for me, it's time for marketers first and sellers second to embrace frugality, to embrace ungrowth hacking, degrowth hacking. And not just looking again and again and again for growing, 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 et etc, so I believe marketing people who will be responsible really from an environmental uh, perspective or from a social perspective will win in two thousand sorry, it's finished my four minutes, so I, I will stop. no no, 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 no you no. can you, you can keep going you can
1: keep, go, you can keep yeah. going because we had somebody drop out. We have got a little yeah,
6: more time okay. keep going. So, Luke. You- <laughs> Those who embrace frugality, who embrace really tackling the the environmental and social challenges, for me, will win already in 2022. And then some salespeople, some sales directors will begin thinking about how we can recruit, train, incentivize, pay in another way salespeople, so that they are not pushed to sell more and more and more and more and more, but to better sell. So that's... More than wish, it's more wishful thinking than real predictions, honestly, but that's mine. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I, I've never had a guest time themselves, week. That
1: was the I'm first. <laughs> no, no, sorry Plank at all. Like boiling I, an egg. <laughs> I, four minutes. That, four I minutes. respect that. And you you were great. I, I've never had a guest do that in all these years. So thank you very much. Let's move on to Sylvie. Sylvie Lexa. Welcome, Sylvie. So happy I met you this year through Kirsten. You've been our showrunner. You took over helping to manage the shows, the radio shows for the future of Digital Engagement and you've done a wonderful job and I'm thrilled to have you here. Sylvie, miss, tell us a little bit about what you did as a performer and then let's have your predictions. Sylvie, go ahead.
7: Um, so I've been dancing my whole life, um, but then I also uh, performed in a bunch of musicals. I don't sing, so please don't ask me to. I sound like a dying walrus, but I danced uh, you know, in the chorus of musicals um, and choreographed. Uh, one of my majors in college was dance as well, so yeah. Thank you. Predictions, what do you see? Yes, so um, I think that community marketing is really going to continue to grow um, and be a really big way for companies both um, with their internal audience but also their external audience to really, um, you know, customize the way that they interact, get specific questions answered, but it also, um, you know, Should create more of a loyalty as well. Um, I really wasn't aware of community marketing when I first um, started at SAP, but I've seen the power of it firsthand um, and the way that you can just exchange knowledge, um, you know, create great advocates for the programs that you're creating. And so I really think that will continue to increase uh, as time goes on for sure um i also think relating back to the videos that many have mentioned um i think that uh you know deep fakes are definitely going to continue to rise um you know i i think back to when i just would was playing around with um like video editing when i was younger and i from what i've heard is that um, you know middle schoolers uh, high schoolers are, you know, just creating their own deep fakes because they have the technology and know how to do it. And so, um, I think that will continue to increase. I think that will create some problems with brands going forward. But I do think that does um, possibly uh, invite a little more, um, pot, you know, potential for humor in some situations for sure um and then i think just the way that we consume content and if you think about the way that our news feeds whether um you know whatever social platform you're um you know privy to uh, is going to continue to change um a prime example i think of is uh instagram obviously as janet said reels um for sure is being favored but um You know, your newsfeed is no longer made up of just people that you follow or people that you're friends with, whatnot. It's completely integrated with um, the actions that you make. Obviously, yes, the paid ads and whatnot, but just people um, that the algorithm um, sees that you would find interest in and whatnot. Um, So I think just, yeah, the way that we're, you know, taking in content on social platforms will continue to change as well. I don't know how. I think will continue to change.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much, Sylvie. Thank you to everyone. We have some time left. We got about nine minutes. I have a question for all of you. Let's just throw the question out and just raise your hand if you want to answer. Algorithms. Algorithms, they do something, but they are they have bias because somebody created them. Do you think we will get away in marketing anybody and you can interpret the word algorithms for any purpose in Kristen digital engagement social selling the week whatever you want do you think Emily wants to talk will will we see a way to get away from human bias because when we create something we created it. The person started it. Maybe it's a self-learning. And I recently learned that autonomous cars are being tested by an engineer from Boston University and his team who are putting self-learning, machine learning, that start with an algorithm, in the cars and giving them virtual scenarios to drive. And they're up to a 92% rate of success of safe driving. But the cars are learning from things like pedestrians in the virtual setting and other cars driving in the virtual setting. And the cars are quote unquote teaching themselves after the human started that first algorithm, the cars are learning on their own from the behavior of even a raindrop. How do you interpret that? Is it a storm? Is it a drop? How does a car know when it's safe? So Emily, you raised your hand first. Let's just quickly talk in just a minute or so or less each about where you see the future of algorithms and their use in marketing. So uh, Emily, go ahead.
4: Sure. So I think that we can never get away from human bias entirely. You can't. We're humans. It's just part of our nature. What you can do to mitigate it becoming a real problem is making sure that there is diversity informing those algorithms. Not just in terms of your who the the types of people who are involved in developing them, though that is a hundred percent critical. But also, you mentioned you know this these cars are learning from this one, you know, one city, and I don't know as much about that particular thing, but I would hope and think that taking those uh, cars and it, introducing them to different environments where behavior changes would also be critical. So we can never get away from human bias. We can be transparent about, how these algorithms were created, and we should be. We should acknowledge that the hu- that human bias is always going to be a thing, and we should try and mitigate it having negative consequences by ensuring that there are diversity of opinions, of backgrounds, of perspectives that all go into um, developing these algorithms.
1: Thank you, Emily. Anybody else have any comments? Mike Green. Do. Go ahead, Mike.
2: Uh, Yeah, so it's something I've been studying for a long time. I'll try and condense it as as much as I possibly can. But the big difference, obviously, is that, yes, with human algorithms, if the human input has the bias, then it eventually will be picked up by the machine. But there is a lot of work that's being done now for the machine to be able to learn, to be able to take the bias out. But you have to understand that there are many different levels. I mean, artificial intelligence is an umbrella term, and machine learning um, is a very important part of that and there's very powerful machine learning and there's very low level. Even the low level is very, very important. So think about it this way. If you were, you've just mentioned an autonomous vehicle. If I ask an autonomous vehicle to drive me home, it will drive me home, no problem, yeah? If I ask Siri to order me a pizza, she'll order me a pizza, no problem. But if I ask the car to order me a pizza, it will sit there all day. And if I ask Siri to drive me home, she will sit there all day. So machine learning, certainly in specific areas, the biases and the things that they will learn from each other become really, really important. So I think that you are going to find in certain areas. So, for instance, I study search a great deal, and I'll just try Mm -hmm. and explain it with this. The algorithms that you see in search and certainly some of the algorithms that you see even in social media now, are not all just driven because by, by the machine. There are two areas here. There's being data driven where data drives data and that, that expression is always used out of context and there's being data informed. If you're a human and you're using data, you're data informed. If it's data driven, it's the machine driving the machine. If you look at search to give the best example, on the organic side of search, most of the content is very subjective. It's very difficult for an algorithm to understand subjectivity, what you like, Maybe not what I like. The experience that you are having may not be the same as me. So when some of that inherent bad experience goes in there, it's much easier for a human being with one of those hand created algorithms to go and change that. On the paid search side, it's commoditized. It's all based around a dollar. It's all based around money. So it's much easier for the algorithm to be able to optimize around a dollar than it is around subjectivity. So, I mean, this is a great conversation, a much longer one, do a show about this and how it's going to affect <laughs> us, but you won't, you won't be able to get away from it because just about everything in your life is driven by an algorithm, which is why I've said once before, and I'll say it again, don't talk about digital marketing, talk about marketing in a digital world. There's an algorithm involved in everything you do, even the toaster that you used for your bagel this morning has an algorithm in it.
1: Thank you, Mike. You know what? You just gave me a topic for February 2022. I'll float there it out go. to all of you. The future of algorithms, humanizing or what? That'll be the topic. I'll invite all of you. We just need four or five on the panel. That'll be great. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. I'm glad I brought it up. Listen, we're just about two and a half minutes before we have to close. And at the end, you're all going to wag your finger and we're going to do my closing. And if you haven't been on the show before, I'll tell you what it is. But you're going to say something with me. Let's go around quickly. Favorite holiday drink. We're in Hanukkah now. Christmas is coming up. This is December 1st, uh, New Year's Eve drinks. I'm sure everybody's planning something. So let's go around the table. Kirsten, favorite holiday drink
3: briefly. Go ahead. Um, I don't drink cocktails very often. I really like wine. Uh, favorite favorite <laughs> wine. That's, that qualifies. Veet, veet, veet. Go ahead.
1: Uh, favorite Kwartz wine. Pele Island Coordstrminer. Thank you. Steve Watt, favorite holiday drink. Give me a mango
0: smoothie all day, all season. The most delicious flavor in the world.
1: Fresh mango, Steve?
0: Oh, yeah. Fresh mangoes, mango smoothies. Bring it on.
1: Re- I want your recipe. Would you send it to me, please?
0: <laughs> it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty basic.
1: <laughs> yeah, you send me. Send. All, right, all right, give us a recipe fast. Go ahead.
0: Well, you know, you just throw a bunch into a blender and, you know, <laughs> some ice and, you know, Thank maybe you. throw some spinach and kale in there if you want to be fancy. That's but, what know. I want. Any, milk I just cream, think mangoes are
1: awesome. Milk, cream, anything to liquefy it or just, no. Oh, nice. Nice. Pure mango. Wow. Emily L. Phelps, favorite holiday drink. I was with you all the
2: way until you mentioned kale, by the
4: way. I I know. That's why I (laughs) wanted to see where he was going with
1: it. Emily, quick, holiday drink. You
4: want to spice up your mango smoothie. I do one with cayenne pepper um, in there, too, and it's really good. But my holiday drink is going to be an old fashioned.
1: Thank you. We got to go. Mike Green, favorite holiday drink?
2: My holiday drink, as you mentioned in my bio, is champagne. My doctor said I should have one every fifteen minutes, or I may die.
1: There you go, Janettey Johnson. Favorite holiday drink? Gotta be a Chardonnay or champagne. Mm-hmm. Nice, uh, Louis Simon, Monsieur.
6: Oh, sparkling water and a little bit of cider. Oh, okay. hard cider or
1: regular cider? <laughs> regular. Okay, Sylvie likes how
7: champagne all the
1: way. There you go. My new favorite is Bailey's. I bought a little bottle because I haven't had in years. I found an ABC liquor store about a mile from my house. Oh, wish I hadn't found it. And I keep it in the fridge and every morning, one little sip to start the day. I. That's all I drink. But I got to tell you, that's my new favorite holiday drink. Bailey's on ice all the time. I want to thank all of you. This has been a wonderful way to kick off my annual crystal ball special. I'm so indebted. Kirsten, it's been wonderful working with you. Thank you very much for introducing me to all these wonderful people Emily L. Phelps Janity e. Johnson Sylvie Lexo, of course Mike Grehan Steve Watt and Louis Simone and a shout out to Mark the Hunter the sales hunter Mark Hunter was not able to join us today he's under the weather and so we're sending a shout out to him so everybody thank you to Aaron Keller everybody say thank you Aaron my engineer extraordinaire and well then Aaron, Aaron. I don't you, know if you know Aaron. but Aaron started working with me three years ago he was 26 and he just celebrated his 63rd birthday because we put him through his paces before Zoom I have to tell all of you who don't know we used to do this show with 16 guests and we would have tw- all call in every 15 minutes i had another four guests kirsten i remember and aaron had to get the phone lines cleared we took a break after about eight minutes cleared the and the next four were brought on on the phone and we did it and it was like oh my god we got 16 guests in one hour this is so much more relaxed thank you so everybody i want you to wave your finger come on you can all do this kirsten let's do this and i want you to say if somebody comes to you and says the future is already here. I want you to say and count on the count of three, say no, no, no. One, two, three. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. Because that was yesterday's future. <laughs> and today's future isn't here yet. And we're all gonna do our darndest to make twenty twenty two a so much better year. Everybody wave goodbye. Bye bye. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Voice America. Thank you, LinkedIn, thank you, Facebook. Yes, 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 yes. Happy holidays to all. Guests stick around for a second.